Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. Today I'm coming at you solo, but we have another winning week to cover. That may not be the most exciting punchline I've had at the beginning of the show, but maybe it's not uh, something to scoff at necessarily, considering we had that right around 500 plus or minus a game start to... 2022 so having two consecutive winning weeks is is pretty exciting although it was spoiled last night here as of recording on March 13th at around 4 p.m. yeah about an hour later than I normally record however it's also daylight saving t- savings time so cut me a break uh very uh, tremendous day outside honestly Especially on Sundays here when I'm when I'm doing my final prep recording, no, I have a uh, no, I have a lot of time um, for editing ahead of me. I'm particularly a hermit the uh, <laughs> for recording days just because it's busy. But uh, right before recording here, I had my internet go out on me a couple times. That in addition to seeing uh, how sunny was outside, I thought I'd see what's up. Turned out it was. Uh, just a couple degrees shy of uh, 52, and this time of year that feels like 60. So, yeah, I went for a nice stroll down by the lake, jacket open, listened to most of Midnight Marauders, the Tribe Called Quest album. Solid Sunday here, uh, but getting back on track, the Bucks week, though, was spoiled last night by uh, the Warriors defeating them. Uh, despite a single-digit effort uh, from Steph. And that uh, says more about his teammates, to be honest. Klay Thompson with uh, 38 points, a season high for him. And Jordan Poole had, I believe it was 33, which might be a career high for him. And it was the uh, first time since Steph and Kevin Durant in maybe 20. 2017, where two Warriors had posted a uh, uh, 35 and 5 evening. So, yeah, only eight points for Steph, but that was accompanied by eight assists, and he also didn't take many shots either. So, yeah, mainly a testament to the Warriors, who still don't have Draymond Green. I believe he'll be coming back shortly this week. Also, DeAndre Bembry, unfortunately, uh, went down hard after a tough closeout against Poole where he really jumped out of the gym uh, to, to try and graze that shot from Poole, but he came down on the Milwaukee native's foot. And uh, according to Woj, uh, Bembry's feared to have suffered a season-ending right knee injury. He was, he was down for a while there. Surprised it's not an ankle, but Bembry did, even though he ended up falling on Poole's foot, he did uh, do, he did contort his body pretty incredibly, I thought, to do his best to uh, 
both contest the shot as much as he could and avoid hurting pool and uh just didn't go his way he posted an instagram story though suggesting optimism but of course it's very early hard to say what it's what what that would look like for Bembry at this point so that that opens up a, a couple other questions for the bucks uh well for one Bembry and Carter being two of the late additions here to the team to fill out the end of the bench while we still have a few other injuries to work through it begs the question what the bucks are gonna do I believe they've had an open roster spot all along here, even with Bembry. So it's nice that they could technically still hold on to Bembry, although he'd probably be understanding uh, given the circumstances and his role if we were to waive him. And you'd think he'd still be duly compensated. But yeah, it's just unfortunate when teams uh, end up having to cut uh, players just due to injury. Although the NBA does a better job than some leagues, I believe, with guaranteeing their contracts. Uh, Tyreek Evans is a name that might uh, spring to mind for some as he worked out for the Bucks, But ironically, he he also worked out for the Warriors just this past week. So who knows if uh, Tyreek's lack of an arrival so far has to do with the Bucks' preferences or a higher demand for himself. But say it definitely increases those odds i'll get further into this warriors game here but uh i will i'll sort of do a high level overview here uh i was i was at the game on wednesday with my brother drew against the hawks where uh Giannis put up 43 points i i really do have to think that Giannis is averaging at least 40 points per game on the games that I've been to this year. I haven't, I haven't done that math quite yet, but I think it's a fairly good guess considering in just the past two, he's, he's averaged 46 and a half points. So yeah. And he really, Giannis really jumped out of the gates uh, in that game as well. Even though the Hawks did put up a good fight in the second half, we've in these past couple games we've seen the return of some third quarter woes for the Milwaukee Bucks unfortunately uh, especially last night yeah Hawks still gave us a run for our money on Wednesday despite the Bucks uh, quick jump and then uh, the first game of the week was against the Oklahoma City Thunder where the Bucks put up a season high uh, 142 points against the Thunder of course, their top priority isn't winning this year, but also they were without several of their rotation players. If I remember this from the broadcast correctly, I think they said that three the Thunders players had some sort of medical procedure uh, all in short order right around that game. So that, uh, yeah, that's definitely telling of how the Bucks were able to stroll into that 142-point uh, game. And before I forget as well, uh, there's been a lot of optimism around a Brooke Lopez and even a George Hill return. Uh, of course, 
the Bud and the Bucks aren't aren't the most transparent sometimes, but also perhaps uh, myself and others need to keep in mind that the situation is a bit fluid, and they still have to they still have to monitor the guy so they don't uh, you know they don't want to they don't want to make promises that they can't keep as far as returns, but. Uh, Brooke did get a haircut, which I think uh, some people took as maybe a sign that he'd be coming back sooner uh, for one reason or another. Um, and uh, Brooke it has been playing in five-on-fives, which is definitely an enormous step. Um, I was talking with some friends at Jackson's, the bar that sponsors are. Uh, rec league team on thursday uh shooting some darts and they were saying that uh apparently the uh the bucks had the herd uh travel down to milwaukee to play five on five with brooke instead of just brooke alone going up to oshkosh to play five on five and uh that's just kind of uh humorous there but brooke's definitely uh, higher on the pecking order uh, compared to other Wisconsin herd players. And speaking of the herd too, and I guess transitioning into this Thunder game, I listened to uh, the Athletic NBA show this week. Or actually, it could have. It was actually a game theory podcast with Sam Vecini where he had. Um, Athletic podcaster Andrew Schlecht and uh, Oklahoma City native talk about OKC and you know just why there's there's still so much optimism around OKC despite their blatant tanking. Seems that that the mood is just better there than you would expect, especially in comparison to. Uh, the process Sixers from from a decade ago. There was a lot of praise for Sam Presti, a lot of praise for their young coach, who actually they developed out of the G League. So they uh, spoke about the theory of developing not only players there, but also coaches. And uh, I thought it was interesting that they mentioned how they moved the uh, okay, CG League team from Tulsa to Oklahoma City so that they could, uh, you know, keep a closer eye on their squad, especially in the position that they're in. So then it's almost like they have two rosters uh, to develop. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, I'll get into this Thunder game. Uh, we were without Grayson Allen for the Thunder game. He has been battling some hip soreness. I had heard he may have even uh, experienced soreness in both hips uh, this season, so that complicates things even more. Filling in for Grayson in the starting lineup was Jordan Nwara, and the Thunder starters here, quite a motley crew even for them, includes Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, Trey Mann, Aaron Wiggins, Darius Baisley, and Isaiah Roby. 
the Thunder came out of the gates shooting pretty hot from three, but I thought the Bucks did a good job matching their shooting from from the get go. Uh, Bucks don't haven't seemed to have an issue with uh, starting games lately. It's just really that third quarter uh, specifically that uh, that uh, tends to bring them. Uh, some trouble. I forget where I heard this, but an analyst could have even been Marcus Johnson was suggesting that perhaps, perhaps uh, this whole experience and the talk around their third quarter woes might be getting into the the Bucks uh, psyche. Perhaps it's becoming a self fulfilling prophecy for them, where they. They go into the third quarter, uh, you know, no matter no matter what the game before had looked like, and just fear uh, fear that things may not may not go their way. Uh, I always feel odd when I try and when I try and uh, I don't know evaluate NBA players on that level because I, I just don't feel qualified to uh, speculate uh, that much, but. It, it, but it's it's puzzling, so I think it, I think it's fair, <laughs> also to to wonder what gives. Either way, speaking of uh, starting starting out fast, Giannis uh, uh, punched on two Thunder players' heads early in the early in the game. Uh, then Darius Baisley uh, drove in for a dunk to follow up Giannis and then Giannis uh, splashed a three on the next possession down. So Giannis got, got the best of Baisley there. I think the two, um, I think Giannis and Baisley might've gotten into it a little bit, if not this game one prior. Cause I remember seeing a little, extra spice from from Giannis at one point and he usually doesn't uh doesn't like to get involved with extracurriculars with players uh except for if there there tends to be some history such as with Mo Wagner I remember I had actually praised him before without uh without remembering that uh Giannis isn't his biggest fan also Gary Gary Clark was a guy who who Giannis snarled at after posterizing him, and I think they they had a little bit of uh, extra fun in the uh, in the uh, bubble series in the first round. So yeah, fun little side note there. But I I think I think the extracurriculars rear its ugly head. Maybe later on in this game, as opposed to the first quarter, uh, where the Bucks led thirty-nine to thirty-four after the first period. Bobby led it with ten points and three rebounds for the Bucks to uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander's thirteen points, two rebounds, and six assists. Uh, and uh, here it is, right here, as I as I just looked down, two bullet points. Giannis Antetokounmpo would block Darius Baisley, and then and also. Uh, force a turnover against him in short order at the beginning of the second quarter, uh, including a you know, Bucks 8-0 run from the 
from the eight to the six minute 45 second mark in the second and uh and lastly marcus johnson on the broadcast was pretty hyped on uh lindy waters who's apparently uh, a cherokee nation hooper pure shooter uh who spent some time with Oklahoma City's G League team, but of course uh, he and, and other players' numbers uh, were called for this game due to uh, their lack of availability. And at, by the end of the second quarter, Lindy had already uh, reached an 11-point career high for him in his young career. Uh, we would see Giannis draining a three at the halftime buzzer, though, uh, concluding a 76 to 65 bucks lead at halftime early in the third the thunder would uh challenge a foul on Giannis uh unsuccessfully and thunder's coach was uh quite unhappy you may notice i'm just i'm just referring to the thunder and the thunder's coach more often in this one because uh you know i don't watch thunder games they have a lot of uh you know, former G League players playing, and I their their new coach as well has a has an interesting last name like myself, and I don't want to be disrespectful and mispronounce it. But uh, either way, uh, Isaiah Roby would put Javon Carter on a poster in transition, but of course Javon, although a tremendous defender, uh, can't really be known for his rim protection considering his. His height is probably quite close to mine, so no harm done there. Uh, in contrast, though, Serge Ibaka would swat Aaron, Rig- Aaron Wiggins at the cup and then uh, later on spot up for a corner three. Serge has continued to, uh, to pack a punch off the bench for the Bucks, even though I'd say in his first two to three games he wasn't scoring a ton off the bench i think he's already uh matched those low scoring games with a couple uh double digit scoring nights and that's uh i mean we it's it's hard to ask for anything else from our from our backup center and i mean ideally he he will also shortly become uh our our third center or you know, rather third, third or fourth big man, depending on how you wanna how you wanna rank it. There, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the Bobby Surge uh, front court, but I sh- I shouldn't be too upset because, of course, uh, Surge is Surge has a. A skill set similar similar to Brooks that allows him to fit in like a glove, uh, with with uh, several lineups with his uh, shot blocking, uh, but also three point shooting, and uh, Bobby shooting needs no introduction and uh, his uh ball handling ball handling and agility has impressed me since he started with the Bucks too, and I think I think it's more common for uh, fans to consider a bot. To consider Bobby a, a, a four rather than a five, uh, nom- nominally, if that matters in the modern NBA. <laughs> uh, 
uh, rambling a bit there, but uh, another thing I noticed was uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander being quite physical uh, with Bembry through three quarters of this game. Uh, Shea was called for uh, was called for a push off on Bembry in the second quarter, and then here in the third quarter, he uh, he uh, had the same exact play where he egregiously pushed off of. Uh, Bembry not a slouch on the defensive end so in order for Shea to move him move him like that uh you know I think uh you know Shea could have gotten the same whistle on that one but but uh then again nothing against Shea for that I I really I I commend players for using their physicality like that and for and uh you know uh, forcing the refs to make a de- decision as to whether or not they want to make every single call when uh, we know they don't want to do that. Uh, despite anyone who's maybe watched uh, watched the Sixers games as of late since the uh, Harden-Simmons trade. Uh, entering the fourth quarter, the Bucks still led 105-93. to Giannis had 28 points, 7 rebounds, and 5 assists going into the fourth, and Shea already had... 30 points, 6 rebounds, 11 assists. Giannis would uh, jam it on Teo Maladon and then knock and then knock down his uh, fourth three despite uh, a notable hesitation uh, in his shot. And uh, that's not to say that that I don't still consider his his jumper to be. Uh, exponentially smoother than it was before, but I think it's almost a testament to Giannis's work on his jump shot that that even if he's thrown off of his rhythm a bit, uh, he can still have have the uh, have have the focus to to knock down the shot. And uh, I believe this was the game too where Giannis went for a four uh, from three. I could be getting the games confused, but. But yeah, that's my final answer. Giannis 404 from three in this one. Uh, Giannis would though get mad at a no call uh, on a pump fake, and uh, he followed that up with uh, with a few really strong uh, closeouts. Just one of those moments where Giannis is nearly single handedly shutting down uh, the Thunder's offense. But uh, he would he would uh, conclude those three closeouts with a frustration foul, uh, of course. But I think I think he's in general been better with his frustration fouls compared to last off last season. I have certainly felt like more of a broken record in the past with uh, Giannis's uh, frustration fouls. Uh, but speaking of a of a Giannis bent out of shape, he would also uh, have another slam uh, this time past Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, before we get some Wigington and the nasty. Uh, action with uh, with a strong fourth quarter and uh, fourth quarter close for Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks uh, with a lot of garbage time in this one I kept I kept jotting down some notes here including uh, Sandro having two threes and a block in just the final minutes alone here in garbage time and uh, thought it was I think everyone had a had a nice laugh at the end of this game with Yon, with Thanasis going extremely hard for no reason with uh, 16 
with 15 seconds left on the clock. Uh, he he uh, he missed a contested uh, layup, and uh, after some tough defense from the Thunder at the end of the game, and Thanasis was upset he didn't get a call, but. After all, the Bucks would end at one forty two to one fifteen. So refs might have uh, might have just wanted to uh, pack it in with uh, the rest of the Thunder here. I know Matt, uh, Marcus Johnson had a joke uh, that Thanasis was lucky that Jawan Howard wasn't at this game, considering uh, the mix up with uh, Jawan Howard and the and the Wisconsin Badgers <laughs> with some late game antics there, but. I don't want to dive too deep into that one. There weren't any any winners any winners from that evening. Uh, Giannis ended this one with 39 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. Shea closed the game with 33 points, eight rebounds, 14 assists. Uh, going into this game, I think the broadcast showed a graphic of uh, of the top five scorers in the lead um, as of late, and Shea Gilgis was was uh, included there, and guys who. I forget the scope of it, but within the past month, uh, have been in the uh, top five in scoring for just that span, and you know, seeing Shea on any list like that must uh, make Thunder fans uh, pretty proud. Uh, yeah. So, just another note too on this on this uh, Thunder Bucks game was when I was listening to that Game Theory podcast with. Sam Vecini and Andrew Schlecht. Uh, it turned out that Sam actually was a lot uh, higher on some of the Thunder players than uh, than Andrew Schlecht, even suggesting that Shea Gilgis might have an even higher ceiling than Donovan Mitchell. Uh, of course, uh, pretty hot take to say the least. But he's talking about potential here, not current day production. He did not argue. Um, he did not argue that Shea is better than Mitchell now, but you know, considering Shea's Shea's size and just you know inherent uh, potential on the defensive end over Mitchell, uh, plus uh, Vicini also really praised uh, Shea's ability to to get to the rack compared to uh, Donovan Mitchell, who's no slouch at that either. Uh, yeah, you got to think the future is pretty bright for Shea. Uh, also, Josh Giddy's been one of the more impressive rookies this year. He's uh, almost for certain going to be on the all-rookie first team. And uh, it's not, nothing to shrug off considering how great this class has been. Pardon me if you didn't want me to go quite that long on on the uh, Thunder game, but even outside of that game, I uh, I consumed a lot of Thunder content this week. So, what are you gonna do? Let's see. I have a lot of other side notes too, just about um, the NBA in general. This week, uh, so continuing on chronologically, Kyrie Irving became the first player in NBA history to record 50 points on uh, nine threes and 75% shooting 
uh, from the field. You can definitely say cherry picked on that, but I don't know. I feel like it's, it's <laughs> despite that it seems to be happening a lot more uh, lately, I still think 50 points is uh, quite notable, uh, regardless of who it's coming from. Kyrie might be a person I'm I'm least excited about putting up uh, 50 points, but But yeah, there's a little bit of news regarding that uh, later on. Uh, however, I'll, I'll quickly go over this uh, this uh, Hawks game that I was at before. I, of course, I didn't have my uh, pen and paper uh, at the game there. But, uh, you know, after, what was it, like, had to have been close to a year and a half of me not going to a Bucks game, uh, given the height of the pandemic. I really don't want to take being in Pfizer form for granted. Uh, ever this time, I, I sat up uh, a lot higher in the stands than I normally would, just because I'm lucky to have my friend Bradley with his season tickets and uh, now my guy Freddie and his aunt who has the season uh, suite tickets apparently hopefully <laughs> uh, hope, hopefully we'll we'll get another offer there but late in the year it might be a might be a, a tougher bargain there understandably uh, but part of what makes Pfizer uh, so magical is that even even being in uh, what would be considered nosebleeds. Uh, in comparison to the Bradley Center, you can still see uh, see the game uh, very well. Uh, you know, it, it's it's really a treat to be to be in the upper levels and not having to just watch the game on the on the jumbotron. Uh, but yeah, I went over a little bit already, Giannis with with uh, forty three points, his high for the week. Uh, but not something that's all too surprising, uh, especially with uh, another MVP caliber performance this season from Giannis. I'm starting to feel a little better <laughs> about uh, the um, general acceptance that that it is truly a three-man race. For the MVP, and people are starting to slowly talk a little bit less of some of the more ridiculous candidates in my mind. Uh. <laughs> oh, I've, I've, I've definitely uh, gone on tangents enough about uh, people including far too many uh, people including far too many individuals in a in the race for an award that can only be won by. Uh, one player, so I won't go there, but just nice to only only be hearing about realistic candidates, especially at this stage in the game, and uh, even more of a pleasure that Giannis is one of those three guys. It seems like people's rankings are fluid by the day, so... <laughs> If if I'm if I'm a betting man, I would still bet on Joel Embiid winning it. Uh, 
just based off narrative, and that's not saying that he's not deserving, but it's just uh, more so speaks to how close it is. Uh, not many guys have won three MVPs, so I can understand the hesitance of people giving it to Giannis, and Nikola Jokic in general is just a uh, pretty disrespect. Uh, yeah, he's disrespected compared to, uh, you know, his talent level. He's he's clearly an all-timer, but people seem hesitant to uh, grant him that status. So, you know, may, maybe they won't want to give him a back-to-back MVP either, which hasn't been done. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's been done more than... Uh, more than someone winning it, uh, winning it three times like like it would be for Giannis, but also doesn't help that the Nuggets are are further down in the standings. Although you'll upset a lot of people if you bring that up too much, because uh, you know some some might call the the Nuggets spot in the standings actually a success of Nikola Jokic, is considering that they've been without uh, Porter for most of the season and uh, without Murray since, well, for about a year. Uh, I'll get back on topic shortly, but uh, I think it was the No Dunks crew who said that that this MVP race might be uh, closest to that of uh, of the Westbrook year, where... Uh, I felt like it could have, it could have gone to really any of, uh, the three top candidates that year in the eventual winner, Russell Westbrook, when he first averaged, uh, a triple double, uh, for the first time since Oscar Robertson, uh, James Harden in, in a year where I think it was probably his first scoring title and, and, um, Maybe the first year of the Rockets being really high in the standings, and then uh, also Kawhi Leonard, who has who had the uh, who had the two way argument, and also the Spurs won uh, won a ton of games uh, that year as well. But Giannis, our MVP, caught a stellar uh, one handed lefty alley oop. Uh, right right at the top of this game and it was one of his mini dunks i know clint capella caught a lot of heat in this game for bucks twitter accusing him of flopping you know i i I take the i take bucks twitter's claims with with a uh bit of with a grain of salt of course just considering the the uh the inherent bias but but I think Clint did hit the deck uh, more than once, and you know, Giannis Giannis is uh, is a beast to be sure. But you know, Clint's too big to be hitting the deck as, as much as he, as much as he maybe was. Uh, people were suggesting that he was an all defensive caliber guy last season, but we don't hear uh, quite as much now. Um, 
I remember correctly, Clint had some injury issues this year, but also he has to carry a huge load on the defensive end considering the rest of the personnel on the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, yeah, a couple stats that stood out to me from this one uh, were the Bucks winning the point-in-the-paint battle, as they should have, 62-46. Uh, and otherwise, most of the most of the main categories were uh, a pretty tough battle. Checks out because it was only a nine-point nine victory for the Bucks when it was all said and done. But uh, the Hawks uh, destroyed the Bucks bench in this game. Uh, but they have a, a really high-end sixth man there in Bogdan Bogdanovich, who who my brother pointed out during the game was a guy that they that they were going to on uh, several possession on several possessions with mixed results uh, which led me to uh, point out to my brother that I that it's crazy how little I think about that uh, that failed Bogdanovich trade now that uh, the Bucks had the perfect timeline play out for them in this uh, past year. Uh, another topic my brother and I discussed uh, at this game was uh, my brother asking if I think that Drew Holiday is probably uh, Trey Young's least favorite guy to go against. And uh, it's hard for me to argue. I think that could be said for a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of NBA players. He's, of course, uh, in the off season before he joined the Bucks, uh, particular Drew got a lot of praise from his peers for his defense. Uh, we know how, how Damian Lillard feels about Drew Holiday, so you know, of course, since Trey isn't isn't the most uh, defensively inclined guy, you'd think he probably. Uh, least happy about going up against um, someone who's able to slow him off uh, slow him down excuse me on on offense and off the top of my head it's hard to point out someone um, who's obviously better than drew in that department uh, Marcus smart is definitely someone who probably gives Trey lots of fits. Uh, other than that, as far as guard defenders, I'm probably forgetting a billion people. Uh, DeJounte Murray uh, could be some wings, too, who, who perhaps uh, take turns on Trey. But, yeah, I, I think uh, there's definitely a chance uh, Drew could win uh, another all-defense all uh, honor this year and in many years to come. Uh, even as, as a Bucks fan, you might have been tuning in for perhaps the game of the week, which was uh, Ben Simmons' return to uh, Philadelphia. Um, might be an unpopular opinion, but... But yeah, just see, seeing all the clips of Ben being harassed in Philadelphia, it... Uh, 
led me to almost feel a little bad for Simmons, who was praised at least for showing up to the game. He definitely didn't have to show up to the game, and I think many people would have predicted that. Even more people correctly predicted that Simmons would not play in this game. But considering the outcome, you almost wish he would have, because the Nets really kicked the Sixers' ass um, in Simmons' return. Uh, Although Harden did become the third leading uh, uh, three-point scorer passing Reggie Miller in this game. Uh, His record-breaking three, or let's say his third-place three, was uh, one of, if, uh, if not maybe, one of the few, if not perhaps the only three that Harden made, because he and Embiid... Uh, were uh, just awful in this game by their standards. I think, um, I think, combined they definitely shot uh, below forty percent from the field. And I know NBA fans resented Embiid even more for shooting more than ten free throws uh, in the first quarter alone, which is. You know, 10 free throws is nearly enough to be in the top three in, in uh, free throw attempts for for an entire game. Uh, so yeah, at, at, at this point in the season too, uh, I mean, both of these teams that played in the Sixers and Nets are... Uh, They're, they're teams that, that Bucks fans have reason to root against any night, but clearly we we wanted the Nets to come out of this one because as it stands that today, the Nets are still in the eighth spot in, in the conference compared to the Sixers who are third in the standings just behind us. Uh, yeah, we're only a half game ahead of the Sixers yet. Uh, we are two games ahead of them in the win category, but... Also a game ahead of them in the loss column. We're two and a half games behind the Heat. So there's an even bigger gap between us and number one uh, compared to us and the number five seeded Celtics, who uh, I believe are should just be finishing up right now their game against the Mavericks. Uh, Celtics and Mavericks have been... Uh, Two of the hottest teams as of late in the NBA. I saw something on Reddit where um, over over an extended stretch, the Celtics and Mavericks have had the same record. And that record was also uh, the best in the league. And over over a, a long period of time, not the entire season, of course, but... Uh, Naturally, we've talked a lot more about the Celtics, but that uh, that Porzingis trade ended up uh, ended up uh, playing out uh, pretty well for the Mavericks too. So I don't blame listeners if they're watching that as I record right now, but I don't necessarily build my recording schedule off of uh, 
other teams besides the Bucks. Before I forget, uh, this actually happened uh, not long after I last recorded, but it would have been weird to lead the show with it. Uh, Jarrett Allen was uh, sidelined with a uh, fractured finger, just like uh, Pat Connaughton, and he's going to... They said that that uh, Allen would be out indefinitely with that fractured finger, but when I saw indefinitely, I was a little confused because um, the timeline for Pat at least seemed to be a little more definitive than, than that. Because uh, he got hurt in that uh, that awful Suns game, but that's not the most recent one. It's the one before. So I think originally people thought Pat could be reevaluated in a month, which we might be coming up on a month since that incident. So uh, I'm definitely more than happy with uh, with getting uh, possibly Brooke and George back, though. Uh, within this next week that would be awesome but you know with how tight the eastern conference is uh i wouldn't be shocked if we faced anybody in the first round and with the Cavs being a realistic possibility the fact that they're gonna lose allen for uh for a stretch here uh helps the bucks chances of course i would never i'd never pray for anyone's injury regardless of how it affects the bucks Perhaps the biggest news of the week in, in terms of the NBA in general was Greg Popovich passing Don Nelson for the most wins in NBA history. We all figured it would happen uh, this season, but not a given. Uh, knowing that the Spurs uh, aren't the kind of team that they have been for most of Pop's tenure. Uh, but yeah, still congrats to Pop. I think everybody everybody's known that Pop's uh, the GOAT coach for quite some time, but it takes a while to rack up, uh, you know, the amount of wins to, to break a record. But, yeah, Pop's resume speaks for itself. Don Nelson, though, whom he surpassed, was a uh, Bucks coach, I believe, during um, those uh, talented 80s teams that led by Sidney Moncrief and Marcus Johnson Ricky Pierce, several others, one of the most overlooked teams of all time, probably, but they just ran into a ton of juggernauts in the East in the 80s, and uh, the Celtics and Sixers. But Nelson coached uh, plenty of winning teams, uh, obviously, throughout his career, so Got to shout out the guy who's who has Bucks ties on this Bucks show. Uh, <laughs> plenty of news here. Uh, since we had a uh, two 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 full days off uh, in between the Hawks and the uh, Warriors game, but yesterday Alex Caruso returned after after his injury. Um, 
from uh, all that Grayson Allen uh, controversy, uh, controversy, and he battled against uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I think I saw on Twitter that it was the last, uh, the first time that the Bulls have held a team under 100 uh, since since they beat the Bucks in the game where Alex Caruso got injured. So uh, that speaks to how talented Caruso is on the defensive end, and I'm happy for the Bulls that he's back. Uh, and uh, Markeith Morris. He ironically returned the same night as Alex Caruso, but he's been out even longer since uh, Jokic pushed uh, Morris in the back, and he suffered he suffered a neck injury from that. Really scary stuff, uh, you know, for both players uh, to be sure. I've uh, spoken enough against it, and but maybe take some things back. At least maybe some of my sarcasm and and tone with, uh, you know, how the injury went down and, uh, you know, the reaction to it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't fully agree with, with, uh, Grayson, uh, receiving different treatment than others with, uh, you know, with the blowback from that play, but I don't want to act like like it was uh, nothing either. It definitely was not. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, I think the one game suspension was a uh, was a uh, plenty for Grayson. I can't really argue with that. And uh, you know, once we get to the point where we're arguing to ourselves. Uh, on a show with uh, people from Twitter. I might as well leave it at that. Uh, so I'll quickly go over this Warriors game from last night uh, where the Bucks lost 109 to 122. The Bucks had the same starters in this one. Uh, the Warriors starters, though, were Steph, uh, Poole, Clay, Wiggins, and Looney. It was interesting to see Steph, Poole, and Clay in the starting lineup, but of course the the elephant in the room is uh, Draymond Green being missing from this contest. Um, However, I thought uh, from the jump the Warriors were playing pretty good defense on Giannis, uh, particularly Looney who forced a couple missed field goals. Uh, early for Giannis. Initially, neither team had started out uh, great from three, but the Bucks were the first ones to improve in that category. Uh, with, of course, Clay catching fire uh, at the start of the second and never looking back from there. But before I forget, uh, <laughs> I don't, it was funny. It felt like it felt watching that that the that the Warriors were just destroying the Bucks in the three-point category, but as they kept on showing stats throughout the game on ABC, um, the teams were both nearly identical as far as shooting goes. I think the Bucks just started out a little better, and of course, uh, uh, the uh, the San Francisco crowd was was really feeding feeding off of uh, 
feeding off of Clay and Poole's energy there. Uh, but after the first quarter, it was tied at 28. Serge actually had a quick uh, nine points and three rebounds to Poole's uh, seven points. After the first quarter, Bobby Portis also put Nemanja Bielica on a poster after a dish from Giannis. Um, and Steph also had uh, two turnovers in short order later on in the second quarter. <laughs> it was crazy. I, I know the the Warriors had a lot more turnovers than the Bucks did. At one point, I think it was like a like a like a ten to one or ten to two deficit uh, for the Warriors in the turnover category. And of course, I just touched on how the three point shooting was remarkably similar, despite how it seemed with Clay and Poole's night. So I was wondering what the hell could be leading to to us losing so bad, especially as we get uh, get into the third quarter here, and it was the rebounding battle actually. Uh, of course, that's something that's fallen off uh, without Brook, but with having Giannis out there, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Uh, we we definitely have to expect more from our team as far as rebounding goes. Perhaps Bobby isn't the best in that category either. But, yeah, and Giannis team shouldn't be being out rebounded by twenty points. Uh, Especially with Wiggins starting nominally at their four spot, who's, um, you know, uh, more of a forward than a big man, to be sure. I know Kuminga helps them out in that category. Kuminga's a guy who's uh, really impressed. I'm. Uh, Drew and I were just talking about this yesterday, how we're happy that things have played out pretty well for Kuminga. Uh, it's... I mean, the guy was picked seventh, so I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like a sob story, but you know, it doesn't. I don't. I don't ever feel great for a guy when they're projected initially as a top three draft pick in a class, and then they're by some people mocked as low as like ten by the end of the year. It happens every single year, of course, and a lot of those guys still end up going into the lottery, like Kuminga, um, but. Yeah, when that happens, it's hard to say how how much a guy will will fall. Uh, you know, after after his reputation already is diminished slightly compared to his peers, but seems like seven is is uh, just about the right spot for Kuminga after all. I think it was seven. It was right around there, uh, mid lottery. Yeah, we'll talk more about Kuminga uh, later. But at halftime, the Bucks were down 58-67. to 67. Giannis had 17 points, but only three rebounds at half. Part of, part of the problem there, Clay matching Giannis and rebounds. It's never a good sign, but Clay also had uh, 21 points and three assists to go with the uh, same amount of rebounds as Giannis. Uh, but it really started to go downhill when Poole was matching uh, Clay's scoring, particularly in the third, um, as the Bucks kept on going under screens versus Poole, uh, with uh, Grayson being the one checking 
uh, pool, and of course, uh, the guy can really fill it up beyond the arc, but he can he can also attack the rim too, which makes it tough. Uh, and that also led to Wes coming in uh, for Grayson much earlier in the third quarter than you'd expect. Uh, usually the Bucks don't, you know, usually the, I think the Bucks and most teams keep their starters in for a significant amount of time at the start of the second half once they get that halftime break. But uh, Bucks had to stop the bleeding somehow, and I think Wes was uh, as good a guy as, as anyone that the Bucks have to throw at Poole. Um, in that he and Javon Carter are, you know, maybe our best guys in getting around screens, and we had to do something to fight over them to, to, uh, you know, to contest pool shots. And yeah, pool was getting getting some pretty clean looks off of some screens from Looney, uh, in that uh, in that Milwaukee, double Milwaukee native two man duo. Uh, I'd just rather them, the two of them go off on uh, any other night besides uh, one against the Bucks. Um, later on in the third quarter, I also realized that Steph only had five points midway through the third. But, uh, yeah, no need when uh, when uh, the two other wings in the starting lineup uh, end up with, uh, what would it have been, a combined 70 points. No, not a not a ton more room for uh, Steph to go off. Uh, you would at least see Giannis obliterating Clay and Kuminga uh, on a jam. Uh, maybe the dunk of the week for Giannis, but much less meaningful uh, when when going into the fourth quarter. The Bucks were down by nineteen eighty four to one hundred three. Uh, Giannis had. 31 points and four rebounds going into the fourth, uh, but Poole uh, was leading the Warriors at the end of the third with 30 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. Uh, by the way, at the end of the third was when Bembry uh, was when Bembry went down. But you know, I, I began the show with talking uh, about the impl- implications with ben- with Bembry there, so nothing else to say about uh, besides. Uh, Besides that, we're hoping for a speedy recovery for DeAndre. Uh, Chris and Clay were really battling from from beyond the three point arc to begin the fourth. Uh, they each had a couple threes uh, early in the final period, but my next bullet point was asking where the heck Giannis and Drew were, uh, since we still had an entire an entire quarter to go you'd think uh we wouldn't just leave one of our big three out there and if we're gonna if we're gonna come uh try to mount a comeback and and, you know fight the deficit we we were currently in we wouldn't just leave uh chris alone out there but he held down the fort pretty well and the bucks would uh would uh soon bring in uh both uh, Giannis and Drew to join. Uh, Chris out there. However, soon we get uh, Kuminga detonating for a slam past uh, Grayson and Giannis. Uh, another big play from Kuminga that I was uh, considering earlier when I was uh, droning on about Kuminga 
And uh, later in the fourth, Serge would get a couple dunks from uh, Giannis seeing him in the, in the uh, in the dunker spot as a uh, Serge would add to his point total off the bench, but still a little too late for the Bucks as we'd get some the nasty and Mamu action. Giannis would at least, or not Giannis, uh, Mamu would at least get a uh, another garbage time uh, three to add for the week. Uh, it's also a breath of fresh air from Thanasty, even though the game was already gone, but we got to see Thanasty uh, grabbing an offensive rebound and a, and a second chance point. Uh, one of the very few that we saw in this uh, 109-102 loss to the Warriors. Giannis finished with 31 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 assists to Clay's 38 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists. Uh, 8 rebounds at the end of the game does not, uh, you know, doesn't sound bad at the end of it, to be sure, but we really could have used double that, <laughs> like, earlier in the game. But, but that might be a tall task, and... Uh, We'll definitely be helped whenever um, Brooke does return, and hopefully that is uh, sooner rather than later. And we actually have reason to believe that now. Uh, so quickly, I'll cover the uh, upcoming schedule for the Bucks. Uh, that is uh, beginning week off uh, tomorrow night. The Bucks will play the Jazz uh, in Utah at nine. Uh, on national television just before Embiid and Jokic square off. So if you're up to if you're up to five straight hours of basketball, uh, tomorrow night is a good night for it. Um, and uh, hopefully the Bucks show out, especially tomorrow night, because uh, they should have uh, an easier go of it later on in the week uh, against Sacramento on Wednesday in Sacramento, and then they'll be uh, in Minnesota against the Timberwolves on Saturday. Timberwolves, of course, much improved team compared to last year. The Bucks ought to be favored against all of these teams, but, you know, I will, I'll always just consider it a victory if we can come out of a week um, with a winning record for that uh, three-game span, so... Hopefully we get another winning week when I record next. But until then, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.